everybody, episode 31 of Tell Me Where to Turn, live from the new Glenn Studios here at Glenn's Garage. So, trying a new little experiment here, see if it works out. Uh, first part of the experiment has already kind of failed because... Did you hear that metronome that was going <laughs> off? <laughs> I thought that was just part of the acoustics in here, but... Um, we got three three guys and, and two mics, so one of the mics that I am not using is getting Eiffel Towered right now, so we'll see how uh, this goes. I think the real hypothetical, is this the first time... A microphone's been hi- Eiffel Towered? That Dave and I have Eiffel Towered something. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is a, a very firm yes, it is. There was something firm about it. Yeah. So we got a lot of... A lot, a lot planned tonight. Um, we can't all drink our whiskey at the same time. No. We all reach for glasses at the exact same time. We all had verbal panic and said, well, <laughs> just take a drink. Somebody else will take, can, take control of the thing. Can I just start us off with one thing? Does anybody know who's playing in the Super Bowl a week from Sunday? Could that be known by anybody? Could it have been known by somebody before the game was even played? Like, say, weeks before the game was even Man, played. I, I don't know. Only the truly elite would have gone with Falcons and Patriots. Well, I'll tell you what. Your elite picking got me stuck watching loose change. And I know we're going to get into it later in the episode. But that sucker was an hour and 20 minutes. And there not one minute went by that I wasn't just saying F both of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what a great day. Stupid Patriots again. Ah, they're, they're going to take it home, too. Although... I don't want to get into sports talk because we've got a lot else to get into. But um, man, I believe in these Falcons though. They are. I hope you're right. They are legit, and my prediction is they're just going to f- fart and fall down in the <laughs> Super Bowl. But I now I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to lose, but good game. Glenn, will you will you read what what message my iPhone just sent me? Time for bed. <laughs> Go to bed by 10 p.m. to get a full eight hours 45 minutes of sleep. Glenn, does it does it have the little cat emoji? <laughs> it's got a picture of a tampon next to it, so he could use that to prevent his ER trips. How are we gonna sort this out? Okay, I gotta tell you guys something that funny that happened at work today. That I this is. Are you gonna be able to tell us before you fall asleep? <laughs> I'll tell you what. As cold as it is, is in this garage, I'm worried about falling asleep. It's like in those. Uh, Alpine disaster movies. It's like don't don't close your eyes. No. <laughs> Just like fight the sleep. Don't go to sleep. We need an extra mic. Well, the microphone setup. We just couldn't get it to go. But we need another mic, and we need a space heater. If it's going to be thirty eight degrees, yeah, outside. you get like the loudest space heater possible, <laughs> just Could to I- further enhance our technical prowess in this podcast. Yeah, it's the only way to keep up with our our level of the. Level of the stadium. <laughs> okay, so I got to tell you guys what happened at work today. This is awesome. I'm going to be careful telling this story, though, because I don't want to accidentally incriminate anyone. Like yourself? Let's just say I had a conversation today that started with, this is protected by attorney-client privilege. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's actually a different story, but this is actually just a funny... I guarantee as much as uh, you guys have worked in quote-unquote business, this has happened to you before. But I've got a fairly new guy on the team, and he's running a project that just started, and he's already starting to panic that it's not going super well. Okay. You guys just saw it witnessed. You guys pour out, like, the entire bottle of Knob Creek. 
And you're both just looking at me like, okay, just keep talking. <laughs> just keep keep going. You're doing great. If I'm boring you guys, we could we could no, go to Friday Night Lights for the rest of the show. I don't a, care. There's a guy that you work with, and he emails people. Keep going. He's worried that his project's not going really well, so he sent me an email, and he, he already wants to change stuff. It's been running for like four days. And Is it going well? No, it's going terrible. <laughs> okay. But the reason it's going terrible is not because of the any of the technical part of it. It's going terrible because it's a bad idea. Okay. But I don't want to tell the guy that because I, I don't want to hurt his feelings. So I can't imagine that from you. He asked me for help, and I said sure. So I uh, sent an email to the person that could help solve his particular problem, and I copied him. And I said, hey, this guy's having this problem. He thinks this would be a good idea. Would you mind doing this? Well, this lady... So you sent the email to AIDS doctor? <laughs> Or was that not the problem? I sent it to, yeah, to Matthew McConaughey, to the Dallas Buyers Club. (laughs) So this lady wrote back and said, basically, yeah, I'll do it, but this guy needs to quit panicking. Nobody really would like this idea anyways. That's why it's not working. It has nothing to do with that. And she hit reply all and didn't realize he was copied on the email. Classic. Classic error. So what did I do? Well, the first thing I did is forward it to several of my other friends at work. It was like... (laughs) What do you think is going to happen now? You're like, let's get the betting line open. So this guy, to his credit, so what would you do at this point if you're that guy? Do you just ride it out or? Um, I think if the a-hole move is just to reply all right back and just and just fire a shot right back across the bow. Well, he took the a-hole move, let me tell you. Okay, what I would do is just reply to her that... With whatever my response is, that, right? Or yeah, maybe I just just like a hey, I uh, wanted you to know I was on the email to yeah. uh, appreciate your help, nonetheless. Or just send a ping. <laughs> that's that's always an option. Yeah, this guy took the reply all route and okay. uh, was like, "Thanks for your thoughts. Uh, I don't feel like I'm panicky at all. In fact, I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, I feel like I know a few things. And uh, what I want to do actually will work. And and just went real hard at it." Did he mention I know a few things like the difference between reply and reply all? <laughs> See, that's probably the best that's response. That's a genius response. That's a genius response. But, what, but it got me thinking. So I've done this one memorable time in my career. And uh, I didn't know if this has ever happened to you guys. The one time I did it, I, I actually got a phone call from the lady I was talking about on the reply all. And made the snap decision that instead of trying to pretend, I just completely owned it like I meant to do it. <laughs> oh, nice. Good strategy. Well, that is good. That and the strategy good. worked, but in, in my particular case, this is probably six or seven years ago, I was kind of similar situation. Sent an email to another guy, for, forgot that she was copied and said, hey, you need to do this because the lady that's asking for it is really high maintenance and something else. Ooh, so wow. It may be that time of month. <laughs> didn't say that. Didn't say that, but... She's got the bleeds. (laughs) Not five minutes after sending the email, my phone's ringing and it's her. And she first thing she says is, you really think I'm high maintenance? And I was like, well, yeah, I just sent an email to you that said that. At that point, you've pushed all in. Right, and she never mentioned that again. So it either either she didn't buy it and she just decided to let me off the hook, or she did buy it and we moved on and never mentioned it again. Honesty is the best policy, kids. <laughs> That's a good move. Uh, along those same lines, the uh, I mean, this was I was probably a year or two out of school and was working at an ad agency, and the company was a lot of young, like you know, a couple of years out of school uh, 
you know, at the lower level was all people about my age. And this girl, this girl had a client that she was, I guess you would say high maintenance as well, that she didn't like working with. And she was emailing one of her personal friends to complain about it. And I guess that person was on her mind. So when she was typing... See, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny because, you know, we were all brand new and she sends it and she realized it before the person contacted right. him, like immediately. So she went to the director of our, our group and was like, hey, is there anything we can do? Is there any kind of unsend? Can we get IT? Yeah, yeah. And the guy just looks at her. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he's real calm. He's like, I'm going to call the client and I'm going to try to smooth things out. You're of course fired. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was the last time I ever saw her. She really was fired? Yeah, that, oh was, that was it. We, we had somebody that got fired one time. Slightly different scenario. It wasn't the reply all. It was just the autofill. That'll get you. Yeah, and this employee deserved to be fired because they were sending out like, this is a long time ago, so it wasn't, it was a joke uh, within an email that was extremely racist. Oh my. Yeah. And for me to say extremely, <laughs> that means a lot. Sorry, KJ. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So she, she sent it to a group of people, basically her coworkers, like within her team and friends within the office. Well, one of the people, one of the people she sent it to had a last name very similar to somebody in HR that she had been working with to like to establish like her maternity leave and stuff. Oh my. So she sends this out and within minutes of her sending it it's with at my time uh, at this time my like boss's boss <laughs> who immediately says yeah this person's done wow like probably before she even realized what she did she was already being called in and and this will be your last day <laughs> in fact this is your last moment with the company <laughs> this so, is your last minute with the company yeah. <laughs> but thanks for everything your severance package is zero <laughs> Wow. That's great. That's great. All right. So Dave's been talking big since we got here that he's got something. First time ever in the show's history that he's got something, I think. Any contribution. Wow. That's a shot at me. <laughs> um, do you gentlemen know what is this Sunday in the realm of sports? The Pro Bowl. No, we're talking a real sporting event. Oh. Is this a sporting event that involves having to throw somebody over the top rope? It absolutely is, boys. This <laughs> is Royal Rumble weekend. Royal Rumble, huh? That was always my favorite pay-per-view growing up. I'm not going to lie. It's the best. It's the best. So what I, what I did was I looked back because I know out of the three of us, I'm the only one that still... <laughs> My over-under is 0.5. Is the answer Nick Namath? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Great callback the last week. You don't really have to have much, much knowledge, but uh, I think we'll have some fun with this. So what I did was I went back to the 1992 Royal Rumble, which is a lot of the old classic guys that we That's remember. That's 25 years ago. It is. And I just picked out a handful that were in the Royal Rumble match. So there's 30 guys. I, I grabbed a few of them. And here's the deal. I'm going to give the name, and you have to guess. There's three options. There's dead. <laughs> there's. Can I just pre-guess dead for all of them? <laughs> there's alive and doing well. And then okay. there's alive and not doing well. Okay. 
All right, I can I can follow this. Yes, I, I follow the rules, I, and I'm going to pre-register dead as my answer. Yeah, I like and multiple choice games. I'm going to tell you up front. I don't have a pen with me, so we're not actually keeping nah, score. This is everybody gets a trophy. All right, but we're going to go and uh, we're going to start with some basic ones, people that you actually may still have tabs on because they're somewhat relevant, and then we're going to get to the more obscure as we go down the list. All right, I like this. All right, so one, and we'll start with Glenn, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Mm. Your choices are dead, alive and doing well, (laughs) alive and not doing well. he, He wasn't part of the Road Warriors, was he? No, Shawn Michaels was the Rockers back in the day, and okay. then the Heartbreak Kid, and then DX later on. Shawn Michaels, alive, not doing well. Mr. Tommy. Alive and doing well. Tommy, alive and doing well. Ah. Celebrity Net Worth has him at $17 million. Wow. And as a side note... Opening, I believe, this weekend, he is has a starring role in a in theaters movie that is a Christian comedy drama. <laughs> Alongside Kirk Cameron, I hope. I don't think Kirk Cameron's in this one it somehow. Is not a real movie. If he's out of it. Sounds like an offensive theater for a Christian comedy. <laughs> Man, I was way off. Okay, Isn't all right. Is that the category right. where you put the show in? <laughs> yeah, that's a good Christian point. Comedy. Tell me where to turn. All right, so we'll go this this one quickly. The Undertaker. Oh, alive, doing very well. Still wrestling, I believe. Yeah, I, I second that. Can I, <laughs> can I get half a point? You're right. He will actually be in the Royal Rumble this Sunday, believe he, it or not. I think he uh, his recent failed moment was he showed up at a Cavaliers game and was trying to like meet LeBron James or something like that and just got the Heisman from LeBron. Oh, oh wow. no. I didn't hear that. If I remember that correctly... I remember seeing some some photos on Twitter of the Undertaker just waiting in like an autograph line. <laughs> that's that's a tough thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, next. Um, I guess we'll start with who who's starting. Yeah, I think it's All me. Right. The Big Boss Man. Uh, didn't he? Didn't he die in a helicopter accident with Buddy Holly? I'm definitely going dead. <laughs> that was the big bopper, ah. sir. But dead is correct. They all, they all look the same. <laughs> dead at 41 of a heart attack. Wow. That's that impressive. That is a tough thing. And looked a little bit like Rich Phillips. I'll throw <laughs> that in there, too. You're, you're absolutely correct. All right. Um, moving on. Um, Rick Flair. Alive, doing well, still involved in wrestling. That is true. His daughter is actually still wrestling. He is doing well. Um, Five million dollar net worth. That's all. I'm yeah. actually surprised. I would have expected way better out of the Nate. He can still deadlift like 500 <laughs> pounds or something like that. But he also, and I'm, I got to find thousand. it real quick. <laughs> Um, Can you imagine how much he's had in his day on the road? Oh my god! How many, how many like Luby's waitresses, <laughs> Shoney's waitresses? He's taken back to the hotel. It has his net worth at, at five million, but I think it is important to include that in 2007 he opened a f- financial business known as Ric Flair Finance. 
I thought it was just going to be known as Woo! <laughs> it opened in September of 2007 and was bankrupt in July in 2008. Wow. <laughs> if you're going to start a financial business, that could have been the worst time period in, in recent American history. He did not make it a one full year. Wow. All right. How many more of these you got? Uh, just a few more. Okay. We'll get to, uh, we'll get, we'll skip down to some of the more legendary ones. Yeah, let's not go too easy because Ric Flair is about as layup as you get. All right, all right. I don't think I've missed one yet. I don't think you have either. (laughs) Um, you guys know, you know, guys know Roddy Piper died, right? I do now. (laughs) Wow, breaking news! (laughs) All right, how about the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith? Um. You know what? I'm gonna surprisingly, I'm gonna say alive and doing well. I think he's dead. I think all the Hart family, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, I think all of them died. Tommy is correct. British Bulldog died. Breaking news in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> what, but, what? Whatever happened to Owen Hart? <laughs> Owen Hart was not there for the funeral. Let's put it that. <laughs> oh is no! He, is he still falling? <laughs> okay. Um, Tommy, let me ask you this. So, how was the British Bulldog connected with the Hart family? He was married to one of the Hart sisters. That is correct. Are you impressed, Glenn, with my wrestling chops here? Man, that is... Actually, that is pretty impressive. I wanted to add this. So, he was married to one of the Hart sisters. He later divorced from one of the Hart sisters. And when he died, he was engaged to the ex-wife of one of the Hart brothers. (laughs) Oh, Okay. (laughs) So went back to the family, only got the, I guess would have been his sister-in-law at one point. Why it not? would have been it would have been Wiener cousins with Jim the Anvil Nyhart. No, it was a, it was a Bruce Hart the who was a wrestler but not as well known. Is he kind of like the Cooper Manning of the Hart family? <laughs> he, he is always the best one. <laughs> he would have been big. In going full throttle, when told about the British Bulldogs' death. And given the British Bulldog was engaged to his ex-wife, Bruce Hart said, Well, the, the steroid cocktail and human growth hormones finally caught up with him. <laughs> wow, so, what a touching tribute. Go out classy. And um, we'll end with this one, because we don't want to take up too much time, because I'm sure we have 20 minutes and Friday Night Lights coming up. Yeah, five hours. Yeah, I'm thinking 30 tonight. All right. Last one, Virgil. This is mine, isn't it? It is. I know this one. So do I. Alive, not doing well. You are right. To to the point that he was attending conventions. Yeah. And then later, it's now just at subway stations with his card table trying to sell autographs. Oh, no. And, and I think he has a sign that's like, I am Virgil. <laughs> I knew he was alive, and I knew he wasn't doing well because I think it's one point in time, Groob's like connected with him on Twitter, and he was more than welcoming to whatever attention he could get. So you could tell that he, he wasn't a man of celebrity. Well, along those same lines, there is actually, if you check, there's a Lonely Virgil meme that is pretty iconic. That is him at some, like, convention, 
and it's just like him at a table and there's no line oh, and all no. the other people at the table have lines waiting for their autograph. Oh no, oh, Virgil. Virgil. Poor Virgil. And put him in your prayers. Let's let's end on a, a sad, even sadder Virgil note. He started a GoFundMe campaign <laughs> with the title of Make Me a Millionaire. What? It, it closed with $1,100 in donations. But maybe if he gets Ric Flair investments to do some wise moves with that thousand, he could turn into a million. I don't know. Well, he was the uh, escort of the million dollar man. Surely he could go yeah. to him for some money, yeah. right? Sure, he's got 10 bucks. Who was also on the list, Ted DiBiase, now has a book about wrestling and his later conversion that is called Every Man Has a Price. <laughs> nice. So good for him. Put that on my list of uh, reading material. Yeah, maybe we could uh, get him to uh, reconnect with the power team and put something together. Yeah, and uh, do that. If you guys want, this Sunday on Twitter, uh, Point Break Dave will be giving elimination by elimination live tweeting of the Royal Rumble. I will be by the phone because I will not be by the channel. I can assure (laughs) you of that. It's good, strong cross promoting. All right, let's see. Let's venture on over and see where Jason Street's not walking to. Man, I love the music. I I, I think about you a lot anyways, Glenn, but boy, <laughs> let me tell you, I was thinking about you this week. So, Jason rolls the old wheelchair out to the game Friday night, and he runs across this uh, man that looks to be about 65 years old, but apparently he just graduated from Dillon High last year, or uh, two years ago, and he's about to go pro. I know where this is going, but go ahead. Well, this guy has a, kind of a sleazy guy in a suit in tow, and he introduces him as to my soon-to-be agent. <laughs> All right, so this, okay, yeah, I mean, so... Sleazy agent makes like the most generic small talk with Jason while he's looking down at him in his so, wheelchair. So you're in a wheelchair, huh? Yeah. That and of course sucks. the the uh, the guy uh, says like, oh, he's the best quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And the, so the agent makes this real throwaway comment to him and he hands him a business card and he's like, hey, if you're ever in New York, give me a call. And the guy leaves. Yeah. And there was no, it was, it was just a generic agent. I'm going to give my business card to everybody. Well, Jason Street goes home and is like, I need to go to New York. I can become a sports agent. Yeah. He hasn't graduated from high school yet, mind you. Right. But he has a successful house flipping business, Hey, they flipped the house, and they all made like 15 grand each on the flip. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. So he's got a little bit of money, so... He he didn't get a rascal or anything with that money? (laughs) So basically, he calls American Airlines and is like, can I check my wheelchair, or do I have to bring it to the gate? (laughs) And he's on a flight to New York. And Riggins goes with him just for comic value, which I'll never understand how Riggins can just do whatever he wants, mispractice, but then he's starting every week. Wait, has, have you seen Tim Riggins? <laughs> if you look like that, you could do anything you want, at least through the age of 18. If you had those eyes. Oh, my gosh. If he walked in here right now, he would just take my place forever. <laughs> so he rolls into the sports agent office, literally. It's the first literally of the episode. <laughs> Uh-oh. Might need to. Are you we're okay? okay? We're you okay. Gonna be all right. Yeah, we're okay. Gotta watch out for that knob creak up the nose. <laughs> so he goes in there. Well, the agent's like the the secretary's waving him off. You know, she's 
kind of throwing out the nails and stuff to stop the wheels. We don't accept your kind here. <laughs> well, he he's very insistent. He's like, no, you call him. And, and I can't remember the name of the football player that's his client. But he says, you know, I'm this guy's friend. Well, she calls him and the agent lets uh, Jason roll back to meet with him. And basically, he's like, what are you doing here? I never offered you a job. Get get the F out of my office. Oh, and by the way, your friend didn't even sign with me. He signed with you yeah. know the big agency down the street. So Jason's defeated. And he leaves. Well, then, as he's rolling back down the street to go back to his hotel, he gets this idea. Well, hey, if I go find this guy, convince him to sign with this agent, maybe they'll give me a job. Even though I'm 19, I've never been to college, I don't have a high school diploma, and... Cut to the chase, he does it, and now he's a sports agent in New York in a wheelchair. You know, I think typically to be an agent, you college education, I think, is very common. Oh, the guy dropped that. He's like, we don't have any jobs, and I've turned away people that have degrees from Harvard for these jobs. Yeah, I think also law school is pretty common for Considering you're dealing exclusively in contracts, Yeah. yeah, a little contract law wouldn't be a bad thing to have in your back pocket. Because pull back the curtain 20 some odd years, oh, Glenn kind of oh like, hey, oh boy. maybe that's my reason for maybe wanting to go to law school one day. But I didn't ever go, obviously. And I ended up here and we're podcasting in a freaking garage. <laughs> Freezing garage, you mean. I'm sorry. In 40 degree weather. So clearly I did not go to law school like some of our, at least one of our listeners. Hey, Jordan. Hey, but you, uh, you walked in here, didn't you? So who's really winning? <laughs> Take that, Jason Street. So a couple other big developments in Dylan. Do you know? Do you remember the character Mac? He's the offensive coordinator, older gentleman. Yeah. Well, he... wait, wait. Uh, I don't know if I remember him. I'm thinking of another guy that's that's. Oh no! I think I know who you're getting to. Well, Mac, he may have had a heart attack on the field. He was a coach. Yeah. And, Did they build uh, him a new heart? <laughs> So what that did is it opens the the storyline for what I think is what you're going to is that the uh, the personal QB coach of JD has now been named the interim OC, of course. And let's just say he doesn't come to the job uh, thinking he's filling an interim role. He comes with ideas. Yeah. And is immediately trying to uh, kind of subvert the uh, offense that Coach Taylor wants to run. So there's there's a dynamic developing there that I think is going to probably play out as the season progresses. Interesting. So this is season three, right? Yeah. Episode, I'm down to episode nine of season three. All right. And season three is the last season, correct? <laughs> and episode nine is the last episode, right? <laughs> you guys, we're going to have at least two more months of Friday Night Lights talk. Oh, my God. All right. And the last thing, and this is just for you. <coughs> Tyra, your girl. Yeah. She... Uh, has run off with a bull rider. She can do whatever she wants. I remember this, but and she, also she can walk in right now and take my spot. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he, I need her for like ten minutes, and then she can take my spot. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a few problems: uh, pill, addi- pill addiction, the fact that he's a bull rider. Uh, he owes apparently owes a lot of money, and he's got a gambling problem. All of those converge. Wow, it's like two out of three of us. <laughs> Sounds almost like a typical night, but 
all of those converged in the last episode that caused him to get violent with her. Mm. And she Don't hit my tire. Yeah, she called Coach Taylor to come uh, pick her up, and uh, he's on his way to Dallas to confront the bull rider and get her back there. And some, this is really funny, but they they uh, are in Dallas for a rodeo, and she says, "I'm at the whatever hotel, and it's a fake hotel at yeah. LBJ and Central." But the hotel looks like it's like freaking out in the middle of Abilene, like right. like L- like LBJ and Central is like the high five, right? But uh, not in uh, not in this show. It's just uh, it's just a POS motel out in the middle of nowhere. So you're in season three. So this was when they decided to do something unrealistic with this hotel. That that was the first time. <laughs> it's the first unrealistic thing that's happened. I won't have you besmirch this show <laughs> any more than I will because I signed <laughs> off on it for him to watch it so all right so that's gonna close friday night's lights well, talk so now that we've done that let's let's fly on over to the the palo alto area and oh yes i can't wait for this let's do a couple minutes on our progress with silicon valley so i glenn is through season two and dave is about halfway through season two correct, correct. well one thing i'll say off the top season three episode one is the infamous horse episode I that's, that's we might have to do episode. we might have to do the whole show on the horse okay. scene. <laughs> so, season two. Uh, oh, first off, real sport. I mean, real sports. Live sports update. Mavs lose to lose to Warriors one hundred nine to ninety eight. That was a valiant effort. Yeah, they're running out the scrubs tonight. Westbrook had forty five points, but uh, Harrison Barnes had thirty one. So. Glenn, I was watching the first half of the game, and if you had had seats in the 100 level, you could have just walked out onto the OKC floor and been like, I'm going to play. And yeah. like, all right, we got, a, we got a little foul trouble at center. Jump on yeah. in there. He's got a tank top on. <laughs> Put him in. Uh, so what are we talking about? Silicon Valley. So season two, um, first off, the introduction of Russ Hanneman. Yes. Which is basically, I took it at... There were Mark Cuban had a uh, a partner in his broadcast.com. I think it was Todd Wagner. Okay. But that character seems to be just aimed as aimed at Mark Cuban as his whole bit of becoming a billionaire is putting internet on the radio. Yeah. ROI. <laughs> radio on internet. <laughs> the fact that okay, the first thing is he's my favorite character on the show so far. Mainly because he showed up initially in this McLaren sports car with doors that open like this, and Nookie by Limp Biscuit is playing <laughs> in the very first scene that he's in. And then later on, in like a in a scene later in the season, they emphasize this whole music whatever thing. He shows up somewhere else, and uh, "Come My Lady" by Crazy Town <laughs> is playing like. The two most yeah. douchiest songs that hey, have man, that ever is been written. College throwback for me, boy. Right. Oh wow. My gosh. So he's my favorite uh, character. I finished season two. It's it's really good. Like this show, I kind of watched it just on a whim because another buddy of mine started it, but it's even exceeded what I kind of expected. Like it's it's a great it's a incredible. great show. I I knew nothing about the show other than you know. I think Tommy recommended it. Wow. Okay, let's take a break here, and I'll thank Tommy for looking out for you guys. Speaking of Tommy, listen to this theory. So Richard Hendricks, he's the CEO of Pied Piper on yes, the show. Yes, he is. Tommy is clearly the Richard Hendricks of our <laughs> operation here. He like is. He's the guy in control. He's 
the CEO, he's basically the genius, he's the mind behind all this thing, but everybody, do, nobody, we don't do anything but kick him in the nuts. There's many times, whether it's us, whether it's people on Twitter, everybody, that's their target to just drop kick right in the crotch. Yeah, you're, I feel really good about that analogy. You're actually. absolutely right, because this podcast doesn't happen without Tommy, much like Pied Piper without Hendrix. Right. And while he's figuring out everything to make this actually good, Glenn and I are figuring out... <laughs> we're basically giving him the idea for middle-out compression <laughs> by making some phallic drawings on a whiteboard. Yeah. We're just, like, uh, doing a one-act play on middle-out while he's trying to actually, like, submit the RSS feed and all. Like, things that actually take m- functions of your mind... <laughs> That's funny. So there you go. So, so I was going to go back to what you said, though. There, and there's like a wiki of this, but it's very well known that pretty much every character on the show is a composite satire of somebody. And most okay. of the people are people we don't know. We're familiar with Cubes because we live here. And he's a... But, right. But basically, every, every figure on the show is a complete you know, send up of somebody in Silicon Valley. And apparently a lot of people that live in Silicon Valley hate the show because it's, it's so they're worried that they're going to be the next one that gets satire, which is, which is funny. But the thing about cubes is I think he did something that the Silicon Valley, I'm using Silicon Valley talking about the actual area. They don't respect because he's not really a coder or a tech guy. Like, he kind of is a salesman that had a great idea, but kind of tries to play himself off as a tech guy. And I think right. that's the whole idea behind Russ Tanneman is that, you know, he, he, he didn't really understand about having money. So he does all this stupid stuff. Like, I don't know, buy a basketball team, <laughs> right. you know, and he wants people to think that he's really smart, but like his, all he knows is like, yeah, let's put radio on the internet, but he has no idea how they did it. <laughs> but I, I want to ask you one thing and I don't want to ruin it because I don't think Dave's there yet, but when he brings over the three comma tequila, Man, is that funny to see? I wanted to have some Trace Comas tequila <laughs> so bad. And you'll get there. You're All like right. a few episodes away, but. Man. It's just another example of uh, Russ Tanneman having all the tech uh, ability to solve a big technical issue that they're having at the time. Well, there is the great the great scene when uh, he first shows up the very first episode and he takes him to like that. Uh, there's like some like Kobe beef place or something. Yes, where they're it. like cooking it right in front <laughs> yeah. of him. Yeah. And he's like telling him, he's like, well, I sold my company for $1.2 billion. And he's like, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Now I have $1.4 billion. <laughs> hey, hey, that's a total, that's a total cube thing. Oh, yeah. He actually like progressively lost money. Yeah. And then he's like, sale, he's you know? doing the math. He's like, well, inflation. And yeah. if you put it in CDs, you would have like, like 1.8. Like basically, if you just put it in a savings account, yeah. you'd have yeah. more money. Yeah, you like double your money. Yeah, that's... So just wait. There's more on that end okay. as far as his uh, net worth. And there is... There's also my favorite episode of the show so far. Dave, uh, Dave hasn't seen it yet, but it it, is, it involves the uh, the issue with Schrodinger's cat. Right, right. You'll get to it, and I'm not going to ruin anything for you. But it's very, as a huge Seinfeld fan, it's very, it's it's like something Seinfeld would have done. Right. And I'll just leave it at that. And when you see it, you'll you'll know. But I think that. 
And the last episode of season one with a whole middle out <laughs> and analyzing how you could jerk off 2,000 people within 10 minutes. <laughs> Clearly, the two best episodes of the show. I, I don't think I've ever cry laughed at like a movie or TV show and I had like tears running down my face yeah. when that was going on. I was laughing so hard. Jason Street cannot do that. <laughs> Literally. Well, maybe he could. He's roll back, roll back. <laughs> Only the great Ehrlich Bachman can pull that off. True, true. So, let's uh, maybe let's get to what everybody's waiting for is your punishment, which yeah. is... Yeah, let's bring the room down a little September bit. September 11th, indeed. Yeah. Well, where do we want to start on this? I mean, I can go through. This is you. This okay, is, I can the go. Only one that's seen loose change. So, should we quickly recap? We basically had a pick'em for the whole NFL playoffs, and whoever <laughs> did the worst had to watch loose change. And it wasn't like it was decided about four games in that it was going to be Tommy. Yeah, I mean, I picked Detroit. I picked Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like Cleveland, or like well, they're not even in the playoffs? Hey, Dallas winning the Super Bowl. I really, I really knocked it out of the park. But anyway, so I first of all, I loose change is actually hard to find. So I remember it being on Netflix. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. It's not on Amazon Prime. I, I can't even. I was gonna pay for it on Directv, and you can't even. It doesn't exist. So I started to panic, and I thought, well, we're going to have to find another documentary for me to review. That's the establishment it's, trying to keep it out of the public. True. They're in on it. It wasn't on YouTube? Well, no. So I'm getting to that. So I oh. did a, a Wikipedia search. Well, it turns out, yeah, it is. The full version's on YouTube because the guy that made it got into some kind of distribution rights issue with some of these streaming services, and, and now YouTube's the only place you can find it. So he's actually released the movie five different times. So there's there's progressively been longer and longer cuts. So the original loose Whoa. change. I'm Careful. a professional podcaster. Careful. I got all my consonants in there. So the first cut of the movie was just barely over an hour, and then they progressively got longer and longer until in 2015 he released one that was two hours and 30 minutes. Good lord! Please tell me you watched that. No. One. So what I did is I went and did some research and opted for what's called version two it's actually the third cut and that is the basically the most popular one and it was released i think in december uh about four months after the first version was i think it was a year after 9 11 is when it came out was the research that you did was it online <laughs> yeah i did the research online okay I, I don't know if you completely paid this off. I well, think this, you have to watch the two and a half hour version. This was over an hour and 30 minutes, and believe me. I it, think I'm okay with 90 minutes of bullshit. Maybe all the real evidence is in that extra hour he missed. <laughs> Wait, let me tell you something else, too. Well, I just got dancing around or something. <laughs> it's not super well produced. I mean, it it's probably was made in a garage a lot like this. I mean, there he narrates it himself, and it, his narration's pretty shaky, the way they cut between things, he just spit on the floor of his garage. I own this whole place, literally. <laughs> I don't understand. But yeah, I want to start out with big concepts. So what this movie does is it, it takes a look at the three big incidents. The Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and United 93. Okay, so is it told from a perspective of all... There, 
we've got possibilities all over the place, or this is a conspiracy? It's told from the perspective of this is a conspiracy, okay. and this is where I have the biggest problem with a conspiracy is the premise that they set is that the United States war machine was going to profit so much by invading the Middle East and they needed to get support for this attack so that they staged 9-11. Well, any of the four, I mean three, four planes, but any of the three incidents that happened would have been enough if that's your theory. So if you're going to make this massive conspiracy, why would you have so many moving parts that you right. crash planes all over the you know East Coast where you're leaving all of these different holes, but they walk through it as like, they take a, each, the movie's basically four segments. The first segment paints this bigger conspiratorial picture, and then they go sight by sight and raise all the red flags. Now, if I'm gonna rank them in order the of believability, the one I'm, I'm the most going like, yeah, the Pentagon, maybe. Okay. The Twin Towers, I'm getting real skeptical. What they say happened to United 93, like you guys aren't even going to believe so <laughs> what the, they say about United the 93. The Pentagon was basically that it wasn't a commercial plane, that it was something else that crashed there. Right. So the, the issue with the Pentagon was, and, and I'm going to tell you what they said in the movie, and then I'll back up and tell you where I feel like they missed it, is the angle and where the plane hit, they felt like was really was really strange because the 9-11 report said that the plane hit the ground and then went into the, the Pentagon. But when the pictures show the grass like not disturbed, there's no you right. know streak right. or anything. And then the, the hole in the front of the Pentagon is smaller than the plane and there's no damage, apparent damage from the wings. But there's five light poles that went down as the plane's coming in. But... The wings apparently stayed on the plane and he shows a couple of clips of other plane crashes where like a plane has misjudged the landing and hit like one wings hit a pole and it's just sheared the wing off the plane. Okay. And I think the issue with the whole Pentagon scene is there was basically no debris that was seen. Right. At the, so there's one picture and there's like a little piece of metal that looks like somebody could have very easily just kind of tossed it out right. there. And other than that, there's really no debris. So then you've got this really small hole. It goes through the first two rings of the Pentagon. And then there's a really like 15-foot hole that goes into ring three of the Pentagon. Did you, after or during the movie, like look up any pictures yourself? Right. And that's one of the things that they, they totally leave out. The front of the Pentagon collapsed after the plane hit. Okay. So what you're seeing is actually the... Man, I'm... Mark all of it. But it's the hole that's a lot deeper in than where the original penetration happened. <laughs> just keep going. For like, I'm, just picture me using my hands like this. Like three, just, yeah. three to four more minutes and we're good. So so what he basically... Where's early? <laughs> so what he does is he shines it in this real, you know... 2,000 guy. What? What happened? In this real halfway... Wait, he shows the front of the Pentagon and then he kind of draws on there with this Microsoft Paint. Like, well, shouldn't there be... A hole with wings and whatever. Well, the answer is no. Like, if, if it's a projectile, like, all that stuff's going to collapse in. Right, right. And, and you're not going to have, like, a Mickey or a, you know, Wiley Coyote perfect <laughs> plane. It's going to look like a plane yeah, right. across there. It's never going to happen. Well, that's the thing. Conspiracies are just built on not evidence, but just questions that aren't immediately answered. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, in, in I've never been in, like, a real terror situation. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Do they... <laughs> 
when he was talking about that day, like, show a side-by-side of, like, the Wiley Coyote running through a wall. It's like, it should look like this. It was about, Dave, you're joking, but it was about that bad. And, the, no, but the other thing is, they, this whole, throughout this whole documentary, they rely on the earliest eyewitness reports. Now, remember, all hell's breaking loose. Well, one guy says, I saw a helicopter. And everybody else says, I saw a plane. Well, they're like, well, no, a helicopter shot a missile into the side of the Pentagon, right? Because one guy saw a helicopter, you know? So they're, they're basically taking really small fragments of information, right. ignoring everybody else. But in total, the Pentagon's the most believable of the three, in my estimation. Because you can't believe where they go for the okay. other two. Okay. So you're on the record saying the Pentagon was an inside job. I'm saying, hey, let's uh, let's think a little bit. You're saying it's the most probable out of the three. Let's use our brains a little bit. Let's think. Because on the surface, I would think the United 93 would be the easiest one to fake. Well, get ready. We're going to get to that one last, though. We're saving, we're saving right. that one for the uh, run-producing spot in the order. Let's roll. Man. I'm editing that out. Wow. I, I do not support that humor. No, I don't. When they're when the when the whole show is starting, they we're do... not making fun of nine eleven here. <laughs> we're satiring the loose change. <laughs> Sixty two hundred or so people lost their lives. I wasn't, you're, you're what did, I, do, what did I say? Is that something from nine eleven? Yeah. Todd. Oh wow! Look at this back out job here, man. Todd something or other said that. He's put it in reverse. He's Have you ever seen the movie United ninety three? I, I it was dude. It's, it's dude. Awesome. I got choked up in the theater. Of course, it was close. I totally agree. I went and saw it by myself just because, like, I was. Well, look here. I he didn't have any friends. No, because I thought that was a movie I should see alone. I watched it as well by myself, but it was in, in the comforts of my own home. Uh. Yeah, pretty tough to watch. It was tough. Yeah, to be honest stuff. with you. I saw it in the theater and it was weird, man. Every nobody, I mean, when it was over, it was like just leaving silence. leaving a funeral or something. Yeah, it was there was no joking around and Tommy's in there like offering red vines to the people next to him like, "Hey, do you want one of these?" It wasn't like when I went to see Passion of the Christ when my parents and my mom bought like a Coke and large popcorn. I'm like, "What are you doing?" Oh my. That's not good optics, right? No, that's, that's not good optics. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> then your parents start making out halfway through. I don't have to answer all your questions. He's going for a lot of veiled Seinfeld references is what he's doing. He's it's true. He's talked about three into the last minute. When when the when the documentary and I'm air quoting documentary starts, they have some real vague financial stats, but one thing that was interesting is on September 10th there was more Puts, which is basically like shorts against American Airlines, Boeing, than any other day of the whole year. Like, so the more more financial people suddenly bet on a sharp stock decline for anything right. to do with airlines, right? The day before 9/11. Now, that's a coincidence, perhaps. And then there was a couple other things that they they teased at the beginning. There was some politician that was going to fly, and some he he claimed somebody called him and said, "Don't." Yeah. Don't was, fly today. It was the mayor of... It was uh, like San Francisco or yes. something. Yeah, it was weird. It was somewhere in California. Because on the whole other side of the country. Yeah. So there's some there were some kind of weird circumstances about that. But for the Twin Towers, what it, what it really focused on was the fact that the buildings were imploded. Like that there was charges planted in the building. Right. Can I interrupt real quick? Did they ever touch on 
who was behind the conspiracy because it seems like to orchestrate something like this there would have to be so many people at all branches of the government involved it was the government man the government okay we're just going with the, the general government. Just, just government okay yeah. <laughs> all right all right well i'm satisfied yeah. Move on. but one of the things that's always driven me crazy about people that said the buildings imploded is because they when the towers are falling like if you if you watch that slow like you see little puffs of smoke at the bottom but that's because the tower is collapsing yeah. and the steel structure is breaking. It's this not This is why we need charges. Tommy looking at this because he's the Richard Hendricks of this podcast. Right. The rest of us will be looking for bits and jokes. He's like, obviously this is the way it looks like this. Right. And you know, the big rallying cry was that it, it needs to be 3,000 degrees to melt steel and they, they approximated the fire was burning at 2,000 degrees. But we don't degrees. run planes into buildings all the time Exactly. experiments. Exactly. And there is no baseline. Fire weakens steel. It doesn't just have to melt it to weaken it. That's a good point. They're, and they said that the jet fuel ran, like, and this is my own research, but the jet fuel ran down the elevator shafts. There was fire everywhere. I mean, there's... There's plenty of supporting evidence to do this, but here's something that's interesting that they point as a big conspiracy. I didn't know this, but a, apparently this is not a this is actually not a debated fact. But under the World Trade Center Tower Five, they stored billions of dollars worth of gold. I, I'm going to get to that. Okay, with something that I have, but go ahead. So, anyways, when they were doing the real quick. Was Scrooge McDuck swimming down there like when it came down? Man, Dave is just Dave is just like uh, turning against FDNY and NYPD. No, but but apparently when they were cleaning up the site, like three months later, when they finally got down to where the gold at, <laughs> did they have a backhoe? They had to get a several backhoes, but all the gold or the majority of the gold was loaded up into trucks. And it was like they were trying to get it out of there, but they ran out of time. But they never found any bodies. So the implication from the conspiracy theorists was they knew when the tower was going to come down and they cleared their people out of there because they knew when they were going to detonate the charges. Right. But they weren't able to get the gold out in time. And there was like a whole, there's a whole thing about how much, how heavily guarded and access was controlled to where the gold is. And they felt like that was them covering up a conspiracy. I'm like, no, it's because there's, billions of dollars worth of gold and they don't want you know right. some you know hourly construction worker stealing billions of dollars True. worth of gold that's not a conspiracy right this is also something that's always conveniently left out when they're talking about like people trying to short stock or the trucks being down there it's like does anyone know if maybe the trucks were always down there maybe trying to short stocks like that happens every few months like yeah no one ever points out like is this like the only time this has ever happened? Well, and that goes back to what I said earlier. There's, If this is a big government conspiracy and they've got this many moving parts, are they also going to try to short stocks? to? And it wasn't a lot of money. I mean, it was you know millions of dollars, but they're saying the government profited hundreds of billions of dollars right. in this war. Are they going to be like, oh yeah, and we're going to make a little money on American Airlines stock on the side? Right. Come on, right? It's ridiculous. And obviously, the, at the time, the Republican Party was uh, in power, if you will, from a presidential standpoint. Right. I mean, if this is a something that the people within the government know is going on or whatever, why wouldn't you just play that card, especially in the most recent election, and be like, puppet, no puppet, whatever. <laughs> Let me tell you something about the Republican Party. Here's my evidence of how they caused 9-11. <laughs> election one... 
You think that would be a trump card while they're bickering about like who no going pun, what? No pun intended. Do you I, think Trump would have been able to overcome that? Dude, he's Teflon, man. Well, and then the last thing about the towers is they didn't find any of the black boxes, and they also didn't find it at the Pentagon. And that goes back to the same thing. Nobody, never mind. This is like this is like Knob Creek almost making him do it, and he just can't quite do it. I can't say it. He wants to though. I can't say it. Let me pour you a little more. Go ahead. One more black boxes. They said that in the history of plane crashes, there's a very small percentage where the black box wasn't recovered. Isn't it amazing that in one day they couldn't find any of them? Well, again. It's only like two planes. Well, no, or in, I guess in, three. in the history of plane crashes, there's very few situations where they were purposely flown at full speed directly right. into an inanimate object. Right. You know, usually they're they're skidding off the ground, they're pulling up at the last minute. This is not this is not uh, a common thing that happened. And and then not only that, they were in a building that imploded afterwards. True. Exactly. Like the plane crash is usually skimming along the ground, not thousands of feet stuck into a building up in the air like that makes it a little harder exactly yeah conspiracies are built off questions not actual evidence so so then we get to united 93 oh i can't wait for this well i'm so worked up right now (laughs) let me tell you run around the block a little bit (laughs) this is how it starts in the thing it's like well you've all heard the story of united 93 what if i told you that united 93 landed safely in cleveland that day i First of all, I'd fight you because it landed safely. The fact that it was in Cleveland, you, you might not make it home. So, again, I think this goes back to taking... And why is it Cleveland? So the the flight was headed... I don't know if it was headed to Cleveland, but it was headed in that direction. And when all hell started to break loose, they were calling air traffic out of the sky. Well, there was a Delta flight, 1989 that did land at Cleveland that day because they thought there was a bomb threat on the flight. So it's like there was a lot of misinformation that went out. So they land this plane in Cleveland about 9.30 or 10 in the morning, like right as 9-11's happening. And they keep everybody on the plane for a couple hours. They search the plane and then they they deplane the, uh, I can't remember, it was like 190 something passengers. Well, there's only 63 people on United 93. Well, Again, the Associated Press reported at the time that two planes landed in Cleveland within an hour span, Delta 1989 and United 93. Well, it was, it was, it was like the, even the person that filed the report said that was a mistake. Well, what they said happened is in the Cleveland airport. Now, this is probably the most unbelievable thing of the whole show. There's a NASA research center at the Cleveland airport. <laughs> There's no way, no way <laughs> yeah. that's possible. So they have this big NASA hangar. Well, the United 93 allegedly pulls up to the NASA hangar and they immediately unload all 63 people into the hangar. Hey, NASA the, took the their plane, talents to Cleveland. The plane that crashed... <laughs> underrated, <laughs> underrated line. That's a good line, Dave. The plane that crashed uh, in Pennsylvania was empty. And uh, it wasn't a United Airlines flight at all. They said every phone call that was made from United 93 was faked. And the reason they said it was faked is because at the altitude the plane was at, you have about a 1 in 100 chance of completing a successful cell phone call. And they had five. The way they got this research is literally 
Second literally of the episode, okay. some guy that works for a 9-11 truth organization. Also some guy <laughs> some is guy. a big yeah. red flag. Got into a Cessna, flew up in the air, and started trying to make cell phone calls, and then determined that about one out of every ten was yeah. going through. But we don't know, does he have like a razor <laughs> that he's calling from? So that's where they got that stat from. So uh. the in their mind, everything's fake. Right, all the right, phone calls were right. faked. So we have like the the Westworld script writer like writing the phone calls. Like, right, let's roll. That's perfect. Let's put that on there. I've heard more about this, and the 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 one that sticks out is uh, a huge question mark. I can't remember the name of the guy, but he called his mother. Yes, they spent a lot of time on this. Yes, and this one actually. When I read it today, and I have something for us here. Okay, well, yeah, because um, he says he he talks to his mother in the most bizarre way anybody's ever talked to. Yes, mother. like his name, I think it was Mark Bigum. Right, and he calls his mother, and his mother answers the phone and says, "Hey, it's Mark Bigum, and I'm on a plane, and these guys have some bombs." And there's responses in between that. But why would you call your mother? And he, then he says it again later, and he keeps saying, "You believe me, right? This is Mark Bigum. You believe me." Right, and they felt like it was really strange, and they went as far as to say that there's a computer software program that if they can get ten minutes of somebody talking, so imagine what they could do to us. They can fake anybody's voice saying anything. I've heard of that technology. They, it's loosely called Photoshop for voices. Like but you can make anything. But they said, <laughs> wow, how generic is that? You can make anything. You can make people, like, you can make sound clips, like people Photoshop, you know? We could go back and make this a good podcast. <laughs> I can't wait till Mark Bigham does his part podcast. <laughs> well, Mark Bigham is dead, by the way. The absence of background noise and all the calls was another thing that was cited. Kind of like what uh, was the undoing of Hawkeye in the uh, prank against bad radio. The background noise didn't add up to what was being said. They said, well, if you're on a plane, everybody will be screaming. And my, my response to well, that is, in 2001, know. nobody had ever done this before. Right. The hijack situations then was, shut up, sit down, they're going to land in Panama, and then they're going to call in a, a threat. I agree completely. So nobody's thinking, they're going to crash this plane. Right. They're thinking, oh, great, we're going to have to sit here, we're going to land, they're going to ask for something, and then eventually, you know, hopefully it gets negotiated. So there's no reason for them to be panicking because that's not nobody ever fathomed that well, could happen and if you hijack a plane let's say pre 9-11 it's either fight or fight or flight so either right away you're either going to fight back right. against the hijackers or you're just going to sit there and meet their demands you're just going to be silent so at this point i think it's more the silent technique. yeah i think well, yeah. pre 9-11 i think most people are going with the silent yeah and just I, sit there i have a family member that worked as a flight attendant. Bragging montage. Yeah. By the way. But they were trained to comply. Like there was no thought of fighting anybody. It was get the plane on the ground because nobody's going to crash a plane on purpose. Get the plane on the ground let the authorities handle it. Do whatever it takes to get the plane on the ground. That was how they were trained. So yeah, I have, I I have a lot of, a lot, I take a lot of issue with that. But again, the, the wreckage pattern for 93 didn't really add up uh, no. because, again, it was flown straight into the ground. And there's no precedent for that. Right. There's so, no baseline to compare it to. They said they didn't find any body parts. Well, it's because they were vaporized. It wasn't because... Right. I saw the movie, okay? <laughs> yeah. But, the but, pilot had a picture of... Uh, 
at the White House, the Capitol building, on like the steering column of the plane. So the kicker to all of this is oh, oh. he didn't he didn't actually try to find out if he could contact anybody that was on Delta 1989. But if you add up the number of people that were on oh Delta in 1989, plus the people that were on United 93, it adds up to exactly the same amount of people that were on all the four flights that were involved. So the theory is... They got rid of all those. The government just got rid of all those people, and those were and all the planes were empty that were flown into any of the sites. That was because apparently, if you go to the wing numbers, they swear that United ninety three, like the serial number on the wing of that plane, it was spotted in two thousand three, uh, still being flown. So, <clears throat> the planes to the twin towers were empty. Yes, the plane to other than the pilot. Right. I don't think they said it was radio controlled or something like that. Yeah. It wasn't so, full of civilians. Okay. Who was the pilot? <laughs> Sully, I think. <laughs> so, so. He survived it. <laughs> he really is the best pilot ever. <laughs> I don't even, I don't have anything else. That's like number one. And I can't, I can't top that. So, so all the people that were supposed to be on those flights and the people that were supposed to be on, United 93, the government just put a gun to their head at some point. In the NASA In the NASA hangar, yeah. NASA. Yeah. 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 They're yeah. on the moon right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, that's the, the theory in, in that it was a, the Pentagon was probably not a plane. It was a missile. I also uh, feel like there's some logistical problems. Like the family, someone on the plane flying to New York like their family drove them to the airport right and saw them oh, walk yeah. in there's tons of stories like that but they don't they don't they no, ignore facts, they facts ignore are not important all here. of that Questions that does not important. matter their family rode to JFK with them on the subway they got a Virgil autograph <laughs> they, they walked into the airport was there a Virgil autograph found in the wreckage do we know no but they didn't find any of the black boxes, but they found a fully intact one of the terrorist passports in the wreckage of the World Trade Center. Just conveniently just laying there. Well, I mean, that's possible. Yeah. And another thing is, and apparently this is true, they said all the terrorists were made up. Like, they weren't, They none of them were even involved because it's a government conspiracy. And apparently this is true. I guess on September 14th, they released a list of like 22 names of who they thought were involved. And it turns out they got several of those wrong, like people that were still alive. But they used that as proof to say, well, no, they're all still alive because he spit on the ground again. This is my house. My effing house. But they used that as proof to say that the whole thing was made up and that those terrorists didn't even exist. Oh, and they interviewed the flight instructor that trained one of the guys. And he was like, yeah, that guy, you know, couldn't fly his way out of a paper bag. There's no way he could have pulled this off. He would have totally flown into a building (laughs) if he had ever flown. I mean, that was his only mission, which... But the only thing is, I don't think it was easy to fly into the building. Either. No, no, I think that I think the well, the they just kind of skimmed it. Like they didn't really get a direct hit. So now he's critical of that too. No, I, I'm just saying. This is Dave just signed the screen. <laughs> this is Dave's last episode. I'm he's saying gonna be Dave hashtag nine eleven. Okay, go ahead. I'm saying mics are hot. That it's. I agree with you. It's difficult. And if you were drawing the plan, I'm sure the plan was to hit it square, like right into the side of the building. Right. That's not what they did. Right in the middle. Yeah, because it was difficult. 
Yeah. Well, there's the whole jet fuel does not melt right. steel beams. Right. It's the most generic part of the sure. conspiracy theory. But again, when have we run commercial planes full speed into a, a skyscraper? <laughs> it's maddening, and I hate you guys for making me watch that thing. Because <laughs> I'm just using like basic common sense the whole time. And like the reason they think United 93 is still around is one guy that was on another plane that was taxiing saw the tail number of United 93 and wrote it down. That's the only proof they have. Because that's normal behavior. When I, Why when I, would he write it down? Why would you Oh, because he was a 9-11 conspiracy theorist, and he's on a plane, and he's like, oh, my God, there's United 93. Write it down, 2003. Wow. I want to know what you got over here, though. All right, so I have... You didn't spit on that stuff, did you? I didn't spit on this. I feel like I need a cigarette after all that. Calm me down a little bit. So this was something I did in my extensive research, which took all of about 42 seconds. You printed out the internet. I printed out the internet. This is off the Daily UK, which I don't know if that's like the English version of The Onion, so this could all just be fake. <laughs> your, but your fake news. It's the top 10, top 10 9-11 conspiracy theories. Are you ready? I'm ready. We're going to start from 1 to 10 because I think 10 is the most humorous. So number one. Uh, number one is neocons, which I assume that means neoconservatives. Right? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Or, or neocontractors. I don't know. Okay. Neoconservatives at the Council of Foreign Relations initiated or permitted the attacks to initiate U.S. conflict on the Middle East and establish America as the sole global power. In 2000... They said that only an event like a new Pearl Harbor could catalyze such militarism. While at the University of Chicago, it's claimed future neocon Paul Wolfowitz used fake, to call fake name <laughs> used to call all the time about what about such things and all the time is in quotes. I'm in that quote. I, that quote was in the movie, by the way. It was really. Yeah, the uh, the uh, new Pearl Harbor was in the movie. That okay. Was in the movie. So the uh, number two on the list is the Mossad. Yeah. If I'm saying that correctly, yeah. Israeli agents orchestrated events to involve American battles with enemies of the Jewish state. I did this, not hear this one. This theory, particularly on the news that five men with links to Mossad and with lots of money in their socks, were seen preparing <laughs> to film the attacks. <laughs> It's an odd detail. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of money. How much money could you fill in your socks? In your socks? That doesn't even make any sense. I mean, you're not getting... Denomination is like 100 at the most, right? Could you fit more than five grand in your socks? I mean, I wouldn't even let you in, your, in my house if you had less than five Dave, grand Dave's never socks. been close to five grand. I was going to say, pull out your wallet, pull the five or ten grand, whatever you got in there, and I'll try to stuff it in my sock. <laughs> Okay, so the number three conspiracy theory is titled Friends in Oil. Oil. Oh, that's our trigger here. Hey, it's oil. Big, big player. All right, hold on. <laughs> to wet my whistle a little bit. Okay, 75 top professors and scientists. Well, I'm so <laughs> Science. <laughs> Comprising 9-11 Scholars for Truth. Oh boy. Wow. Fake organization. <laughs> yeah. Believe people in the oil industry, along with <laughs> President Bush, 
puppeteered no puppet <laughs> puppeteered the events to secure oil reserves. It is claimed they arranged a stand down of the Air Force for the event. Some see a cover up to protect the Saudi royal family and Enron's interest in Afghanistan. Was Enron still in business as of 9-11? I didn't hear Enron mentioned at all in okay. my hour and a half of research. Others see an Al-Qaeda chain of command which ran through pro-Western Saudis and Pakistani intelligence to forces in the U.S. That's My eyes have just glazed over <laughs> just reading that. I pushed stop on the recording. Yeah, just F off. How... Apparently, four did not even print. Oh, hold on. <laughs> okay, hold on. This is the, maybe the best one, and I can't read it because it printed weird. So the fourth theory just says psychos. It says, Scientologists have claimed that Thetan psychological, psychologicalist. What did I say? <laughs> Edit I think, that out. I think he's starting to feel it. With evil in, with evil in mind. Controlled the hijackers' actions using drugs and psychopolitical methods. <laughs> you know, like you know, like it's a bad theory when like the loose change guy is like, I wouldn't even dream of no. believing that. Theory. First of all, if you're a Scientologist, you listen. You listen to this. In the words of Ehrlich Bachman, immediately go f yourself and never listen again. If you're a Scientologist. <laughs> All right. This gets maybe a little more legitimate and then it gets ridiculous. Okay, number five. The Tower's owners. Oh, this was, this was big in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So this theory proposes that the, the destruction of the Towers required explosive demolition. Yep. Ownership of the building had changed for the first time shortly before the 9-11 attacks. Coincidence. That's me putting in coincidence there. And new owner Larry Silverstein made a $500 million insurance profit, which in the end he made like $7 billion off like the insurance. Well, he got, he got $3 billion. He tried to get $7 billion. Okay. Because he pulled some real nonsense where he said that it wasn't one terrorist attack, it was two because each plane represented a different attack. So he tried to make the same claim twice. Actually, he might be onto something. Well, they I didn't agree. let him do it. They only gave him the original three, yeah, for three billion that okay, he wanted. I got you. Yeah. Okay, so theorists note that John O'Neill, a senior counterintelligence officer who had resigned from the FBI in August 2001. Oh, boy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Probably because he sent a reply to all the <laughs> F. Marianne or something like that. Took over security at the World Trade Center on the day of the attacks. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's what I call hashtag evidence. <laughs> okay, so number six, the CIA. Oh, hold on real quick. The the dude that owned the towers, they got the three billion. Right. How much was he worth? He owns the twin towers. He probably already had a few billion, right? How much radio did he put on the internet? <laughs> That's worth like 1.2 from my research. Okay, so next theory is this involves the CIA. Have you heard this one? I don't know. Okay. Some believe that the CIA was kept informed of the attack by Al-Qaeda and blocked FBI investigations, which this is the one that... Didn't hear this one. Could have a little bit of legitimacy. Like, it's at least believable. Okay. So they blocked investigations by the FBI. 
by saying that they would stop it before it happened. Like they knew it was going to happen, but they would stop it. But they allowed it to happen. Others argue that the CIA was directly involved and point to reports of explosions in different parts of the towers and that World Trade Center Building 7, which has CIA and offices in it... Yes, did that was mentioned. ...was demolished, which they believe was an attempt to destroy evidence of the center of operations for the Twin Towers attacked next door. Which, that's one of those things like you can throw out, but you never have to prove. Because you just say, well, they destroy this building because every piece of evidence, they were dumb enough to put it all in this one building. And at the last second, they were like, well, we need to push down on the lever to blow right. up building and if you're seven. Gonna, if you were going to stage a massive conspiracy, would you want to keep all the evidence right next to where every government agency in the whole world is going to be for like the next year? Is like that literally smart? next door? Yeah, literally next door. Yeah. Hold on, so I missed that. So the CIA whatever office with all the evidence, it wasn't in the Twin Towers, but it was nearby. It was in Building 7. Okay. Are you an idiot? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. God, if but, Jeff Floyd was here, he would literally punch you in the face. And we were we were getting literally I would liberal love, here. I would love to see him try. Whoa. That's an open wow. challenge. Hey, Jeff Floyd, if you ever get enough money to, to buy the fare for that Greyhound bus, <laughs> come up to Dallas to see Point Break Did, Point you, just, Break did you just call it a Greyhound Russ? A Greyhound bus. I heard bus. I heard bus. Yes. I thought he said a Greyhound Russ. Yeah. I'm worried about him. All right, come on. We're like at an hour 20. It Let's get matter. through these. It doesn't matter. Everybody's still listening. Speaking of new listeners, Matt, who is, uh, I think... Uh, Isn't I think he like real big into running and built his own DVR? <laughs> That's a different... That's a different Matt. <laughs> Only the three of us get that joke. It's killing with Dave. He's about to pass out. It was gold. It was gold. But uh, Dr. Dr. OK on uh, Twitter. Good man. He He's listened to us, and apparently he's gone back to like the beginning and re-listened. Wow, I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> I agree. But again, along with Cody Allen, complete hero. And I know uh, Mike Hernandez was also uh, going to binge our podcast during the course of this week. I can't remember what happened to him. Does it involve a wall? No. <laughs> I, I don't know if he... I don't know if he's if he's in a wheelchair. I'm not really sure. Okay, but he was going to listen to all of our podcast episodes, so hopefully he's still listening by this point. So thoughts and prayers for uh, Mike and Matt. So where are we at? Okay, I'm on number seven. I think we're on the last one. No, 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 no. we got more. Yeah, because it, it prints on both sides of this page. Number seven. The it's titled the Military Industrial Complex. Forces at the Pentagon, keen on a coup d'etat by the military-industrial complex, are said to have covered up that a drone plane or missile hit the Pentagon. Yeah. Furthermore, they shot down Flight 93 into a field when it became when it became surplus to requirements. So I guess they didn't need that. They for got their the hit narrative. they needed. They didn't need 93. Right. Some, including MI5 whistleblower. James Bond? No, (laughs) David Scholler. Believe, this is my favorite part, and I I really try not to laugh. So MI5 whistleblower David Scholler believe that no planes 
were involved in the attack, but the planes were missiles. <laughs> the planes were missiles sh- shrouded in holograms. <laughs> so no, yeah. like a, no wonder, this. no wonder the Brits are such a <laughs> s show over there these days. So we just see the picture of Tupac flying into. Like, what if somebody switched out the software at the last minute and it was Tupac? And Coolio's in the cold pilot seat. Again, again, 6,000 plus people died as a result of this event. And Dave is throwing out Biggie Smalls jokes. I I'm not I'm not the one laughing. Okay. No one can prove that I am. So here we go. We're we're getting to the funny ones now. I don't know how to pronounce this. Hold on. The hologram one wasn't the funny one. I believe yeah. it's I believe it's pronounced Greyhound Bus. Okay. <laughs> I'll fight Jeff Floyd, I swear to God. Uh, number eight, Sino Forces. I think it's Sino. I don't know if it's Sino or Sino. Cena? Like John? No, it's S-I-N-O. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> That's Others, really good for radio. Noting that Bush's presidency began with a U.S. spy plane drama over China, proposed that 9-11 was a strike against America by the Chinese. Gotta watch those Chinese. I totally agree. Keep an eye on them, Chinese. And that's all there is to this one, that it was just the Chinese fault. Which me, out of eight so far, if we're going to blame it on the Chinese, I'm pointing the finger whatever, <laughs> whatever direction east Straight it down, is. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I think we start digging out of the garage and we'll get there within like three just hours. Start the shovel where that spit is and just keep digging past it. In, a, in addition to maybe doing 9-11, the Chinese have also taken tens of thousands of dollars off Tommy at the poker table. I'll go ahead and say that. So if you want to start digging, I'll help. Okay, so number nine of the top ten list of uh, 9-11 conspiracy theories. And you're going to love this one, Dave. It's title number nine. Shawn Michaels. No. New World Order. Oh, no. Oh, no. Scott Hall. What have you done? Oh, no. Kevin Nash. Oh, no. New World Order. Hollywood Hogan. A higher government. Possibly linked to the Knights Templar. Oh, wow. Okay. Kept Bush and Cheney in the dark or used them as patsies and also controlled, well, Bush and Cheney. You can't control Bush, buddy. Uh, we had a printing problem here. <laughs> but basically, the Knights Templar used them as patsies to just fulfill and implement this operation. To it, what end? To, I, it doesn't I, say. I, I, I think because it was it's a conspiracy. It doesn't have facts or evidence. It, it just had raises something a lot to of do questions. with Bash at the Beach. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, and number ten, the final one, which goes back to something you already mentioned. This says Comex, which I'm assuming is Comex and not Comex. <laughs> Was believed to have $950 million worth of gold under the World Trade Center prior to the attack. And only $230 million is said to have been recovered. Yeah. Leading some to believe, some, some people, some people do believe those people. (laughs) That's what Dave just said. He held the sign and said those people. Yeah. Uh, to believe 9-11 was the cover 
for a massive robbery or fraud, the biggest safe cracking ever. So basically, like, this is the original script for Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> wow. Mike it's dropped. Instead of <laughs> knocking out the power to Las Vegas, they decided to kill 6,000 yeah, people. Yeah, they would kill 6,000 people in order to get all the gold <laughs> under that tree. Show, someone showed them where the gold at. <laughs> oh, man. 6,000 people died yeah. to make this podcast happen. Yeah. Think about that, Tom. I'm thinking about Think it. Think about it. I'm thinking about it. Wow. All right. Well, we're about 30 minutes past our regular time. So thank we, you, Matt. And thank you, Mike, for continuing to listen. Thanks for uh, hanging in there, guys. I'm we sorry. We don't really have time for emails. So uh, sorry, Gustav, and sorry, KJ. Yeah. Next week. If there is a next week. <laughs> Who knows? The Knights Templar are probably aiming a, a 727 at my garage right now. What if, what if all three of us ended up in separate incidents dead this week? Uh, first of all, I'm going to live forever, so <laughs> I cannot die. Hey, all our, all our good listeners, this is Point Break Dave. If I die, the, if I die this week, first, get Jeff Floyd. Second, erase my browser history. <laughs> I, did, I did not use private browser for all my uh, internet searching. All right, we need to get out of here before I say something that <laughs> yeah, really sets people off. <laughs>